Okay, Inappropriate Earl. We're back, back live after two of the longest episodes ever last week. One with the great Eric Day, three years in a Pakistani prison. I can only imagine the things he saw. And then the great, the legend of Jack Atlantis. Two and a half hours, five bathroom breaks. People got tired just listening to it. Today we have a fantastic singer songwriter musician brought to us by the one and the only the legendary she might be in the room she might not be in the room vicky hamilton please give it up for the one the only damien sage thank you for having me my friend thank you for being here my pleasure i feel like there's an angel in the room to the left but well, she to, might well, not say right, maybe so you have a big show thursday night yes it's the let me see what how show it's a showcase it's a record label launch party for dark spark music and what got you into that show uh launch party I mean, how did you find vicky so just about a year ago i was playing in a band and my guitar player was in a supermarket and recognized vicky from all the guns and roses documentaries he watched over the years and uh, he exchanged cards with her and said, you know, I'm in a band. And um, so we spoke via email and she came out to some shows. And then when that band kind of dissipated, I, I was still doing solo shows and I invited her out. And then she invited me to New York City to play in a, a showcase that she was putting out there. We weren't work, officially working together as manager or not yet. Um, but we did that. And when we came back from New York, she said, I'd like to represent you. And then now she's just started this new record label. And for those of you out there, Vicky does not like to represent just anybody. Because I've got a Rolodex of bands I would like her to uh, help out. <laughs> but, uh, you know, she was instrumental in the careers of uh, Guns N' Roses and another group of four guys who looked like they were four girls. It's the only time I will mention their name on this podcast today, Poison. <clears throat> uh, so when she takes an interest in someone, it's Yeah, pretty... I, I was really honored when she asked me to. Yeah, I mean, she's her history uh, in helping artists and, and guiding their careers is pretty uh, epic. And uh, Definitely. just knowing her is little... Uh-oh, there's an arm. You just saw an arm of possibly <laughs> of Vicky. Somebody. Uh when she takes an interest in you, you have talent. Oh, thank you. Because yeah, uh, when she said she wanted to work with me, I was just humbled. Yeah, I mean, she's not going to waste her time at this point. Uh, so, how would you describe yourself to the? You know, I have a primarily a metal fan base, right? Um, how would you describe your uh, stylings? Not metal. We'll start there. Well, <laughs> that's good. In 2018, it's good um, to. Uh, Singer-songwriter, uh, it really just depends which show you see. If you come to a solo show, it'll be me back and forth between a guitar and a piano singing. And if you come to the full band show, it'll be me mostly just singing with a full band behind me, and I'll get down on piano one or two songs. Um, the recordings have more of like a singer-songwriter with some rock and roll flair to it. Like, Who did you grow up? Uh, were you influenced by anyone in particular? I'd say... Um, well, oddly enough, one of the, my my first early bands I really fell in love with was Guns N' Roses. Um, I was an angry kid, and um, 
I know you tended to like the more happier side of 80s rock. I like to call it butt rock. <laughs> For me, if, if, the, if the singer was smiling in the video, I didn't relate because I was like an angry kid. So when Guns N' Roses came out, I was like, wow, I can relate to that. And then uh, Doors are one of my favorite artists of all time. Uh, Stones, Bob Dylan, I mean, uh, Tori Amos I love as well. So you like more classic rock versus my uh, butt rock with whammy bars. <laughs> yeah, I'd never seen anyone in Guns N' Roses with a whammy bar. That's true. Well, I, but now they have two keyboard players. I'm not sure what that that's is about. Uh, that's a good point. And the girl with the green hair plays the maraca. Now, when I listen to Guns N' Roses, I don't think, hey, this song could use a maraca. I agree. But it's King Axel, so, uh, you know. But speaking of the doors, uh, I was lucky enough to attend a concert uh, courtesy of Vicky where I saw one of the funniest things. John Densmore, the original drummer, yeah, was bringing up this actor to sing a Doors song and he really gave them this big build. Of, He's my favorite actor. I love this guy and everything he does. Please, ladies and gentlemen, I mean, the crowd's like, who is it? Who is it? Give it up for Randy Quaid. Oh, my God. And the guy walks out and goes, uh, it's Dennis. Oh, well, shit. Like, clearly, Sean Dinsmore didn't know who he was bringing up. As brothers, though, those two couldn't look different. Especially now. <laughs> uh, yeah, I've seen him lately. I mean, well, you know, the thing that bothers me about Dennis Quaid is he's in an insurance commercial now. I mean, does he really need it? Yeah. How about Daddy? <laughs> I need the gig more than he does. But it just shows you how tough this business is when Dennis Quaid's got to do an insurance commercial. Yeah, I saw a commercial with him doing insurance recently. I was, that's surprising. I mean, it's funny, but it's like, uh, you know, the, the guy who played Dexter is doing, uh, he's a voiceover guy for the Toyota Tacoma. Wow. Which makes sense. I mean, he was a serial killer. You know, you could talk about the, the light, <laughs> you know, all the room in the back. Yeah, plenty. Uh, now, I don't understand the music business uh, today. You know, no one sells CDs anymore. It's all, yeah. there's no videos. Uh, how does a newer artist like yourself, I mean, what's the game plan? Like, so yeah, it is completely different world. Um, people aren't buying the records like they used to. Um, it's a lot of streaming now. Um, where artists these days are really making money is touring and merchandise. And yeah. Streams, I mean, you could, I mean, streams at some point, could yield, you know, some some money in your pocket, but um, you have to get a lot of streams. Are you talking on like Spotify? Yeah, or? anything like that. I mean, it used to be, you know, in the bands you grew up loving, like Motley Crue and stuff. You sell a million records, you have a house in the Hollywood Hills. You know, and now if you get a million streams, you're not, you don't have a house anywhere. You have a house in Valley Village, is <laughs> rented. Renting. Well, I mean, back then, it was like MTV, literally. Uh, you know, made bands like, Oh yeah. You know, every single band that I liked probably wouldn't have gone gold. If you got an MTV ro rotation back then, it was, it was like automatic. You're going to sell a lot of records. And now I guess Spotify is, is, and I guess That's, iTunes is the new MTV. I, I, guess. I guess. I mean, YouTube bands still do make videos and artists still do make videos. Um, I don't know if MTV plays them because no, they're too I haven't busy. seen music on MTV in a long time. They're too busy having uh, I'm 16 and pregnant, I'm 17 and you got the abortion, I'm <laughs> 18 and looking to get pregnant. I mean, I, it's so sad. And, you know, for anyone who's my age, 50 and you know, maybe 40 and up, to have 
kids these days goes MTV. What's what's that like? When I was young, like I lived for MTV. I couldn't wait to watch it. It was just I would just sit there and watch for hours and hours. Well, it's even Guns N' Roses, you know that that video for Welcome to the Jungle was on. It seemed like every hour, and then yeah. Sweet Child of Mine, same same thing, and then Patience, and I don't know if they make it in, unless MTV showed them love and. I mean, yeah, I mean, I think certain bands like a band like that, I think would have made it no matter what, but, <clears throat> but yeah, for sure. Some of them, some bands or artists, MTV was their complete ticket. No, I mean, uh, my favorite band, of course, Rat is, uh, you know, if they don't stick Milton Berle on the videos and. <laughs> I um, remember seeing that with Milton Berle on the videos. But I mean, it was kind of catchy to go, oh, I, who's this old guy in drag and who are these five guys and. And then he was in the second video, and you know nowadays I don't know. If, I don't know if anyone would know Milton Berle is. I mean, he's more known for uh, a certain body part and the size of it. <laughs> um, but let's get back to your music. Uh, sure. Do you prefer playing by yourself or in a band setting? <clears throat> I prefer the band setting, um, but I play a lot more locally solo. Just because it's, it's a lot easier and cheaper. Yeah. And it's cost money. Yeah, I don't think people realize that. Even when you're at a, a bar show or, you know, a showcase, you know, you got to you gotta pay everyone. Yeah. You, know, you got to pay the drummer. You got to pay the, you got to have someone teching. Like, it's not. Yeah, but there's a lot of pieces involved. And then you got to rehearse, you know, so it yeah. ends up. And I'm just not in a position to do that every week, so. So how do you, like, when you play solo, how do you map out, say, a show? Like, Thursday night, do you, you know, since it's, you know, what what is the process for, say, Thursday night? So if I wanted to <clears throat> set up a show, what I, I would do is reach out to the venues I've worked with before or a venue that I'd like to work with in the future. Um, if I worked there before, you have a, you know, a rapport with them, and they'll say, okay, here's the dates we have for you. And you set up the show, you... You promote the show, and for me, when it's solo, I just come with a keyboard and a guitar. I got two mics, I go back and forth, and usually knock out like a forty-five minute set. And then, like, is that when are you going to tour after? Like, is is what's in the future? So, <clears throat> the new label we was talking about with the record launch, Dark Spark Music. Um, the record will be out on that label at an undetermined date right now, sooner than later. Um, and then after that, there will be a tour. And uh, how do you, like when you're an artist that's trying to get to the next level, how do you map out a tour? Do you pick cities? You think, oh, I'm from New York, you know, maybe there. And Yeah, I think it's good to start, you know, in a city where, you know, you, you know people to get the kind of buzz going right off the bat. You know, me, I would, I would start in L.A. or New York. And then if I was starting in New York, maybe go up to Boston and go down southeast coast. Um, like I just did a little mini tour in Nashville <clears throat> that I had never been to Nashville before and just played every night for a week or so. Um, and in LA or California, I would do the, the coast as well. And it, definitely the major cities. Then when you went to Nashville, I mean, I, I was recently there and I was struck how musical that city is. I mean, Oh yeah. I mean, there's acoustic guitar guy in the airport. I mean, yeah, it's everywhere. There are bands, full <laughs> bands in the parking lot of every hotel. Yeah. You and, can probably get serenaded going to the post office. Yeah, and they're good too. Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, wow. You know, just, uh, in the, the bar by the hotel, there was a country band that, I mean, of course, yeah, everywhere you, you go, it's music. It's 
it's incredible. I imagine as a musician, you must it must be a very uh, motivating. It stir your creativity. It was just so cool to see, um, just the music everywhere. And then um, through Vicky, uh, I got to go to the Johnny Cash, the Cash Cabin. Johnny Cash, June Carter Cash recorded, and a lot of other artists. And I met um, Johnny Cash's son, John Cash, and his wife. It, that was a really cool experience to be in the cabin with so much history. Yeah, I'm all about aura. I mean, that's what's attracted me to the comedy store. You know, that's my Nashville. Just going to watch yeah. Sam Kennison was here at Dice Oh, Clay yeah, for and, sure. Uh, you know, I, my brain is always creative at the store, just so I can imagine being in Nashville. Um, I mean, I, the, I was sitting in Johnny Cash's rocking chair with his initials carved into the side, and then the guy says, you want to play this? And it was one of Johnny Cash's guitars. It was... That's pretty wild. Um, what was the record? Is the album already recorded? Um, the album's pretty much recorded, just um, with mixing and mastering. And what's that process thing. like? Did you do it with a like a small team of confidants? So basically, the uh, the songs that have been mixed so far have been mixed by a guy named Godfrey Diamond in New York City, um, and he'll probably do the rest. And then after that, it's the mastering phase. But the mixing is really, really important. And it's amazing what they can, what a song, the difference from the rough recordings before it's really professionally mixed. Even when you think like, this sounds good, then the the guy takes it and you're like, wow, now this really sounds good. Right. Um, and what songs do you pick to play? When you do a concert, like let's, I'll go back to Thursday again. Do you, do you pick, okay, these, because you know, industry, uh, Events. I mean, and I don't know about music, but in in the stand-up world, they're dreadful from the standpoint of uh, you know they're just there and they're like, all right, let's see what this guy or girl has to offer. But dance, Mister, uh, <laughs> you put the ball on your nose and juggle. Uh, is it different for musicians? Like when it's an industry event, or how do you pick your set list for something like that? Well, for me, um, I have songs that you know. That me and Vicky have discussed. We feel like let's let's put our best foot forward. We feel these to be the best. Um, it's a thirty minute set, so it's six songs. So let's put our best foot forward and narrow these down. So we kind of got together, spoke, and said this one, this one, this one, and narrow it down. Okay, this one's for sure. This one's for sure. This one, and maybe we'll replace that. I have to say though, in your world, I give standard comedians more credit than anybody as a performer. Cause you take a kid that plays guitar for two months, put him on stage and he's looking at his fingers between chords. And at the end it's clap, clap, clap. <laughs> well, I, I mean, I have tremendous respect for what you do. I, I've had many of my uh, semi-famous music friends try and teach me the guitar uh, did not end well. And uh, I mean, I would say comedy might be harder from the standpoint of uh, and when I say you, I don't mean you, but yeah. it, you know, if you're in a shitty band, you can turn around and blame the drummer. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> you know, you can look to the left and say this bass player sucks, but he's good looking. <laughs> uh, you know, comedy, if you're having a bad set, you can't blame the curtain. Um, no, yeah, I, I could imagine. I but mean, it's you also get the reward when it's going well. Uh, you know, it's you get all the credit too. Yeah. So I, I like that. Uh, I like to live life close to the flame. So uh, you pick the right career. I mean, it's uh, it took me, uh, you know, twenty years to figure it out. 
So before that, you were like in eighties memorabilia. Or? I was, uh, you know, I didn't know what I was wanted to do. Uh, yeah, I started comedy at thirty. So like, I was, there's one regret I have. It's, you know, I wish I would started earlier. Yeah, I got you. Um, but when did you become musically inclined? I'd say I started paying attention uh, around ten. Um, I grew up in a musicless household. Um, my parents. I can't really remember them ever playing any music around the house. Um, it wasn't pushed on me in any way. Uh, I mean, there was a there was an upright piano in our living room that nobody played. It was like a picture frame holder. But I would tinker around and you know figure out Sesame Street by ear. No one ever said, "Hey, you want a piano lesson?" <laughs> so you're self taught. Self taught. Um, I'd say by the time though I was 11, 12, I was full force like, "This is what I'm gonna do." I didn't start as a singer though. I started as a drummer and then I went to guitar and then so, singing. Now, what made you gravitate toward the drums? Just uh... Maybe that goes back to just being an angry kid. Right. <laughs> I just wanted to slam on shit. Um, I played the drums. I, I love drums. I'm not that good at drums though. And I Don't let I, that stop you. I, <laughs> I realized that pretty quick. I'm like, well, if I want to play drums, I want to be a really good drummer. And I was like, I don't see this happening. I said, all right, I'll play guitar. And I was singing along with playing the guitar. And in my mind, I'm like, if I'm going to play guitar in a band, I want to be the lead guitar player. Everyone and, wants to do that. And I I have no prayer of doing that ever. I, I just don't have the, the skill set to play lead guitar. So it was kind of like, I'll just, I'll do the singing. <laughs> and I'll learn these other instruments just to kind of back myself up and write. I took two months of guitar lessons when I was 12 and I quit because he was trying to teach me to read music, to learn other people's songs. And I was like, you don't understand. I don't want to play other people's songs. I need you to teach me chords so I could write my own songs. And he didn't want to teach me that way. So I quit. I was 12, hard-headed little kid. So he wanted you to learn like Smoke on the Water. Yeah. Play that. And I mean, in hindsight, I think it's great if someone reads music. I don't. Um, but I remember him saying to me, your ear is going to be your best and worst gift. Because he would play a little riff on a tape recorder or something. And I'd kind of be figuring it out before he even pulled the sheet music out. And he's like, he's like, that's good. But I could tell you're not going to pay attention to reading the music. Is it something that you didn't, uh, you found too hard to do read music? Because I look at a music sheet and go, Jesus Christ, this is, might as well be Chinese. I don't know what the hell this means. And then some yeah. people pick it up like... Oh, for sure. I think it was just being that young, you don't really realize, you're like, you kind of like, this is what I want to do. And in my mind, what I want to do has nothing to do with reading that book. I just want to learn chords so I can write my own songs. I don't need to read that. Um, so I think that was my mindset. And as time went on, I just taught myself more and more and more and really never took the time to read music. And... uh did you, like, I know you said you were uh, fans of, like, Dylan. and Yeah. Uh, did you try and write songs, like, say he would? Or, or did you not want to, cop not copy them, but, like... No, I think in the in the beginning, I think for a lot of artists, you start off writing in styles of your favorite artists. You emulate. Um, and I don't, I don't think that's a bad thing to do as the process goes along. Because I think what happens over time is you take the little bits and pieces out of, of what you like out of all your favorite artists. And then you kind of mold together with more of what you are and you end up with your sound. But I think for me, if I didn't, 
you know, experiment and write in different styles that I, I wouldn't sound the same today. Right. What's your favorite? Uh, I mean, how would you uh, say you sound today versus say five years ago? Oh, I mean, five years ago, I was doing a lot more blues kind of stuff. Um, that was, I mean, it was when I when I was first moved to LA. A lot of like my friends would say, "Oh, Damien, the blues guy," and it's like now you really wouldn't find any blues in my set. It wouldn't be, certainly won't be on my record. Right. I love it, but I just kind of started writing in a different way, and I like that way better. In what way is that? Like, do you like? Yeah, I, I don't know. <clears throat> I really, it's hard to explain. Um, I think honestly, uh, Vicky, like who we said, might be in the room. Um, I mean, there is a green shoe right there that <laughs> it's, uh, um, she really, uh, it was, she was a great sounding board and I'm amused in a lot of ways in the way that I would show her some ideas where before, you know, if you're showing your friends or your friends, ah, oh, it's great. You know, even when it's probably not. Um, but she had some really good constructive criticism and comments. Like I love this part, or I know you could make this part better. And I started doing a lot more rewrites. And through those processes, I realized I was ending up with better better songs in the end. And I've kind of, I started doing that on my own before I even show her. I still go to her for feedback and I listen all the time. But um, it really got me in the habit of, because I think a lot of times you write a song, you're like, oh, this song's done. But if you really go back and look and, and listen again, I listen to the song a hundred times before I, show anybody it's like this chord maybe it could be better let me re rework that maybe this chorus could be bigger maybe i have maybe i could come up with a better lyric than that now what you know my writing process is i need mass distractions i need the tv on i got some shitty 80s metal band playing like i just need i think i have add and i need constant stimulation of my hearing and the brain uh what's your writing process like so i don't have one process I will say that I'm humming something in my phone multiple times a day. I normally almost every morning I wake up with something I hung, I hum it into my phone. Um, a lot of th throughout the day I come up with like little one line lyric ideas or just a topic or a song name. I'll put that on my phone. Um, but I can't have a process like I always sit down with the guitar and write the music first or the piano. It's, most of the time it starts in my head. You know, there are songs that have been born out of just kind of playing around on the guitar or piano and you definitely, of course, ideas come. But a lot of them just start in my head and then I go to play them and they develop. Now, do you write differently when you know it's just going to be for you or when like a band is involved? No. I think, I think any song, I think a, a good song can be done acoustic, any song, like, and it still be a good song, you know? So I try to write them raw and then build the band parts around it when I go to record. And then how hard is it to, do you have a set band that you use? No. Is that hard when you have to like almost re-explain stuff? Like if it's a different show and it's a different drummer or. Sometimes, but I mean, I've been fortunate enough. There's a lot of great musicians here in LA and they catch on quick, especially the fact that I don't read music. So I always am up front. I'm like, all you're going to get from me is the song. Do you hum it to them? Like this is no. I send them the recording. Okay. Because when I make the recordings, the full band recording sounds. I'll play all the instruments. I'll program the drums, but then I'll play the bass, the guitars, the pianos, um, and then I'll send them that, and I'll say, 
you know, I can't give you anything more. <laughs> Learn it. Learn it. Uh, how do you pick your bandmates? Well, in the beginning, when I first moved to LA, what I did was I went out to a lot of shows and I would go up to the people I thought were really good after the show. I remember my first drum in LA. I was going out every night just to see shows and meet people. Like I didn't, I didn't have a friend in LA. So I was just going out, meet venues, meet people. And I remember like the first drummer, he played a set. I'm just like, wow, that guy was great. And I went up and said, would you ever want to play sometime? I could send you some songs, see what you think. And like that first band was a comp, he started with it. And then he said, yeah, I got a guitar player if you want and a bass player if you want. And so the names start flowing around you play with these people and you know, it works out. And then you just, you know, it's kind of like Alice Cooper. You just change band members. Since, <laughs> since, no, I, I would love to have a, you know, a more permanent, permanent situation with band members. But um, for now, it's hard, especially, in, you know, in L.A. Um, everyone's got to make their living. You know, some people play in 10 bands. Yeah, no, it's, I mean, con you should see some of the gigs com comics take. It's like, you know, bar mitzvahs, uh, you know, weddings. Uh, yeah you know, music label, uh, debuts, you know, <laughs> I'll be there. I heard you'll be making an appearance. At you know, I'll be making, uh, I'm going to try and drum up the, uh, cash, uh, beat, uh, you know, cause it's a great, uh, I mean, like, I think everyone who knows Vicky has such respect for her, uh, Definitely. you know, that it's like, this is a, you know, there's so many, uh, worthy artists out there like yourself, the tender beats, the healthy junkies. Yeah. They're great. They're just, need one i always say it's either comedy or music is uh, you need one person to believe in you who can help you yeah it's true you know it sounds kind of simplistic um, it's definitely true though but you know yeah. and, and you need help whether you're a musician no one makes it on their own absolutely it's just uh it's impossible yeah completely um, but uh, what's the, so you get the album coming out in maybe a few months, uh, give or take, uh, and then you tour. Uh, is it a video in the, in the possibility? There'll be a video for the first single. And how do you pick the first single? Like, is it, because uh, I mean, assuming the goal, I, I mean, I know terrestrial radio is almost a dying uh is it the goal to get it on, say, Spotify or uh, a serious? Yeah, I mean, on, on Spotify, you, you know, you want to end up on playlists and then you put their songs in your playlists. Um, you know, if you could land yourself on a, a couple popular playlists, the song could really go somewhere. Um, but re regular radio play is still important. Um, PR, things like that. Uh, but as far as how to pick the first single, you know, I have ones in my head that I like and then I go to the label president. Yes. <laughs> And we discuss it and then we, we come up with an agreement. Is it, uh, I mean, you guys seem like you might be on this relatively the same page, uh, but, you know, is it, how do you go about maybe getting your view if she doesn't agree it, with, like, <clears throat> if you want to say, not a poppy song, but like one of your poppier songs, and she's like, well, we should go more uh, an acoustic. What's think, the give and take? I think... Um, Fortunately, we are pretty much on the same page most of the time. Um, when we discussed the first single, we both had the same exact song in mind. So it was pretty easy. And without spoiling the, uh, the surprise, is it like a, an up-tempo song or is it... Kind of like a mid-tempo, <clears throat> um, 
rock, but not like not hard rock, but like rock rock based song. No whammy bar. I'm sorry. I mean, I would suggest uh, whammy bar be put in uh, Pro Tools. Yeah, I'll, somewhere, I'll right? At least in the video. I was laying well, on the floor. Went yeah, I mean, somehow get some babes in the video. Uh, you know, I can help out with that. And, uh, I, I feel like I've never seen a video like that before. Whammy bars and babes. Wow, that's a unique, that's a yeah. unique concept. But, uh, <laughs> Are well, they blonde? It, but it's crazy, though. Like, uh, you know, obviously you want to get your stuff out to the masses and, you know, stuff like that is selling out. But it's like, if this is what makes it popular, uh, I mean, how? what's the line of staying true to your vision and going but i also want like some kid in ohio to want to buy this record like how do you go about reaching that guy or girl yeah well i think one of the best things i ever got advice on that for vicky was when we first started working i had songs over here over here over here over here and she's like i really like your writing but just pick a lane you know, pick the lane you're best at and let's kind of work with that. And that was really good advice. Cause I think once, you know, if, if you're all over the place, the problem is someone's like, man, I love this guy's song. Let me download his next song. Right. And if it sounds completely, you know, it's off the wall, you know, compared to the first one, it's like, well, maybe I don't like this guy so much anymore. You know, so you got, you got to have a sound and, um, of course, later on, it's, it's great to venture out. But if you think about everybody's debut album, they were pretty much in the same lane musically. Yeah, I mean, like the Cars debut album, I, I just love. It's, it's like their greatest hits record is their debut album. Uh, yeah, it's got, crazy. You know, Kiss's early work, not whatever they got going on now. <laughs> not sure what's going on now. I, to I told you my Kiss story, right? No, but you will. Was, but you know all their songs to me sound alike in the early days but i i didn't mind that like okay i like the last song the second song sounds like the first one i'm i'm okay with that yeah do you I, want like a little variety on like because i don't know what kids no, i don't like. want the songs to sound the same but you know um but in the same lane i, th I think it's good um experimentation is great as well like the first album doesn't have to sound like the second album necessarily but still in the same world you know um but my only, the only time Kiss has even entered my life at all is I was playing a, a show at Kenny's Castaways in New York City with my band and Ace Freely walked in and asked if he could jam with my band like a blues jam, play my guitar. I'm like, yeah, I guess. Um, so he did that. And then at the end, uh, the bouncer comes up to me and said, Ace said he'd sign your guitar for you. <laughs> and I said, no, thanks. And that must have been like, he's yeah. probably so used to people going, yeah, yeah, I'll sign it here. Yeah, I was like, that's that's my guitar. <laughs> right, I don't want an ace really signature. I don't want anyone's signature on it. Uh, what, uh, in terms of guitar, did you have like uh, someone you gravitated to, toward, like they're playing? Like, See, I don't really consider myself a guitarist. There are certainly guitar players that I just am wowed by, you know, from Hendrix, you know, C. Ray Vaughan, Slash. Um, I, I love those, those guys, you know, but, um, I can't say I have a guitar influence playing wise. Cause I don't play anything like that. I'm a, I'm a rhythm guy at best. Right. I, I play to write and back myself up if I'm playing a solo show, but I would never tell anybody I'm a guitarist. Right. Right. <laughs> um, same with piano. It's like, I play piano. I write with piano, but I'm not going to play in your band as a piano player. 
<laughs> you're not Bruce Horn. Yeah, you're not Bruce Hornsby. Right. Uh, what's your favorite instrument to play? Even though, like, you seem to be a jack of all of them, but maybe not a, a virtuoso on on any one particular. Yeah, certainly not. Um, I'd say re in recent, like the past year, it's become piano. It's really been my favorite one to be playing on. And what? Uh, do you find it easier to write songs to guitar or piano? Um, I'm better at guitar than I am at piano, which still isn't saying much about anything. But um, I just, this past year, I've been spending a lot more time with the piano and I like it better playing recently. But as far as like, which I prefer to write songs on it, it all just depends. And like I said, a lot of it just starts in my head. So I'll just start hearing ideas in my head, whether it be, you know, the, the beat or a piano part or a guitar part or whatever it is, a string part. And then I'll kind of make it come to life. But it, a lot of it just starts in my mind. Do you base it on like, you know, some of my jokes are like, you know, maybe uh, past relationships that didn't end up uh, in the best place. Uh, um, or just overall, like how my parents were, you know, raised me. Is it uh, stuff like that in your head or? So I have a thing where I don't like touching the same topic over and over and over again. Right. I try to always write about different things. Um, I mean, there's some people that they just write love songs, you know, track one through 10 and that works for them, I guess, but I never wanted to be. Like a John Mayer type. Like, Yeah, I mean, he's got some variety, but um, if you're just churning out love songs. I mean, if that's your thing, it's your thing, but it's never been mine. So yeah, I have, I've, I have a, a song that I'm going to be playing at the show Thursday. That's about a, a breakup. Um, I mean, I'll run through the set quick. Like the first song is about, uh, depression, addiction, um, through your own experiences. Yeah. One of them is about, um, suicidal thoughts. One of them's kind of about, uh, being on stage and the thrill and the emotions you go through, like from, you know, love to rage, like all where a song can take you in your mind. Um, one is actually about a, like modern day music in my humble opinion is kind of gotten. What is your opinion on manufactured modern? in a lot of ways? Like, I mean like American Idol winner. Let's oh, dude, like, even just the top 40, like, you know, and if, of course this is exceptions, but a lot of it, it's, I don't know. I feel like it's stale. I feel like this music scene is prime for a resurgence with somebody, something. Um, I think it's just, yeah, it's a lot of the same. It's like, you, I picture a bunch of guys sitting in a room or girls sitting in a room saying, okay, let's listen to the top 40. Cool. Let's write that song again. Yeah. Let's call Desmond Child. <laughs> Get Earl. Earl has his number. Uh, well, yeah, just, I don't know. I think a, a lot of those reality shows, I mean, Last Comic Standing did it to comedy. I, I think shows like The Voice and American Idol and there's a new singing show out. Uh, there is? You put these people, just good-looking people, don't have any songs behind them, really, and then... You know, I have to play in concert and they don't, oh, I have to play more than two songs. I'm, I'm in big trouble. Oh, shit. Uh, so I think it's watered down what music is. So that's why I love seeing someone like you who's like an actual singer, songwriter, musician who could play an hour of original material. I, I just think it's got to boil down to feel. 
to me, you know, and emotion. And is it real? I think you could tell when someone's real and they're not real. And some people just go through the motions because they just like, I want to be famous or, you know, I, I want to be this or that. And I think if that's the reason you're in this business, it's the wrong reason. Like if you're purely in it to gain fame and fortune, one, that's not the easiest thing to do. Two, no. it's to me, those aren't the reasons to be in music. You have to be a, do it because you love it. I mean, and, if I only I was looking for a fortune and fame, I would have been out of the music a long time ago. Oh, <laughs> I, I don't have it. <laughs> I say that about comedy. Like anyone who comes to LA to do comedy for money and fame will quit after two months. Like, yeah. And I'm sure it's similar in music. Like, well, I've seen a lot of guys I played in bands with over the years that they don't do music at all anymore. Like in any way, shape or form, not even at home. Like it's just, oh, I didn't make it in music and... I'm done. Well, I could just never do that. That's because you're in it for the right reasons. Yeah, I mean, I I would be the guy you see playing acoustic. If I was 75 years old, you know, just because that's what I love to do. You know, it's, I can't think of anything else to do. I knew that at a very early age. It caused a lot of problems in my home life because it, I was just so stubborn about it. And because your parents weren't necessarily musically. Uh inclined did they think you were wasting your time you know it was never it was never like don't do music you're wasting your time it was kind of like i think it's like when you have a kid and they say i'm going to be an astronaut or i'm going to be a baseball player and it's like yeah maybe you will probably not and i think they thought it was like a phase that uh i was going to grow out of but it, it consumed me to the point where i didn't care about anything else like i just stopped going to classes like some kids would cut class i would cut every single class I'd still go to school because I hung out with whoever had a free period or I'd just walk around and listen to my headphones. Um, it got me kicked out of my house at a young age. It got me expelled from school um, just because I didn't care about anything but music. And when did you decide to come to L.A.? Because, I mean, L.A. and New York are basically the, well, Nashville now, I guess. Yeah. But, like, um, I moved to L.A. a little over three years ago. But I, in New York, I... Greenwich Village was like the main area I used to play. There used to be a lot of, a lot of more venues than there are now. They closed a lot of them, unfortunately. Um, but there's still some great ones there. Like the Bitter End on Bleecker Street is an iconic venue. Everyone from Bob Dylan to Lady Gaga, you know, started there. I like Lady Gaga. She's, you know, Lady Gaga is good. I like how she pays tributes to some of the older artists, like some of her age. She's super talented. Oh yeah, and like she put, uh, she knew the saxophonist from Springsteen's band was dying, Clarence Clemens. Wow. So she put him in the video. Like, oh, shit. I like didn't she know knew. Wow, that's like, amazing. You know, and then she did something with Brian May recently, or maybe a year or so ago. I was like, oh, like she's paying respects. Yeah, she's good. I like her a lot. Um, now, what's the difference in the music scene, say, in New York and LA? Um, well, I haven't been in New York for quite some time, so I can't. I can't really speak to the New York music scene right this second, but um, I don't know. There's a lot of similarities. Uh, it's colder in New York. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I mean, I, I would imagine musically it's like comedy. Like New York's probably a better comedy city because there's just more venues that have comedy and you can walk in to In LA, them. there's like, well, there's one, one or two really the main ones, right? And then there's- Well, there's really only one. The one. We won't get into that. I heard someone has a signature on the wall in front of the main one. You know, if you walk by, you might see some guy with a 
Earl something or other. Yes. Uh, but like it, for music, though, it, it's like the strip has totally changed from when a certain someone was uh, bursting onto the scene uh, in the 80s. Like now it's... Like where do people play? Like, uh, oh, it's 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 mixed. I mean, there's people that still play the strip. I, but it's, it's pay to play, it, right? For the most part, at least on Sunset. See, my understanding, like with the bigger name places, pretty much. Like um, the whiskey, the Viper. I mean, I've never played them, so I don't want to say it for a fact, but that's what I've heard. Whiskey, Viper, Roxy, those kind of places. I mean, unless you got a big draw, you know, if you could say I'm going to bring four hundred people, you know. But um, I don't know. But there's stuff, uh, you know, Silver Lake, um, Echo Park. There's a lot of, it's kind of like a new music scene there. And that's um, like not alternative, but like they have there's like quite an eclectic. A variety. Yeah, there's quite a variety out there. Um, like yeah. Echoplex. <clears throat> yeah, Satellite. Um, it's not like they only book one sound, like they have a really good variety. You know, I have different friends that play places around there and they couldn't sound more different, you know, but they're all playing the same venue. So it's pretty cool. Now your look, how important is your look based on the music you play? Um, like when you do, like, how do you present yourself on stage? Like it's a far cry from some of the bands someone used to work with back in the day where it was more your image. Right. And then if you could string together a good song, great. You seem to be the opposite. Like, these are going to be great songs. I'm going to come out in jeans and... Well, I mean, I... How important is the image, I guess, to your music? To me, I, 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 don't, I don't feel like I'm going to come out with great songs and <clears throat> I don't care what I look like. I mean, it, I don't know. You, you always... Everyone on Conor wants, wants to look as best as they can. Um, but I mean, I'm a darker... My song's usually about darker topics, so... I mean, I wear black even when I'm not on stage. Like, it's, it's kind of like my closet's black. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, it's, it's kind of that darker image because anything else wouldn't really fit with the songs. People would be like, right. why this guy's like, you know, neon and singing about suicide or, you know, or... That could be a good hook. <laughs> Get a pink flying V. And, uh, <laughs> I want to kill myself. One of the ones that spin? Of course. I can... I might finance your next guitar purchase. Um, I see your pink brass knuckles. That's very nice. Well, these are the uh, only uh, sponsor I have uh, on Inappropriate Earl. Uh, singer from Rat, Stephen Piercy. This is his company, Mike Knuckles. Mike so, Knuckles. Nice. So if you want to look cool, I use them on stage at the comedy store when it's a big, big show. and uh, Very intimidating. Well, I'm all about... Uh, <laughs> You and I may have opposing viewpoints. I like to, uh, I like to put on a little more of a show. So in case I'm bombing, it's like, oh, this guy's got cool leather pants on. Yeah, and look at his pink brass knuckles. Right, it's mass distract. I'm like kiss. You know, I try and distract you from how shitty my jokes are. Um, but you know, I mean, music. Uh, when you look out at the crowd and like you're singing a song about depression or suicide, and you see someone like. What's your visual cue of this is connecting with this crowd? <clears throat> to me, when, when you know you're connecting at a solo show anyway, you could hear a pin drop. It's, you can't hear anything but yourself. So you want that almost. Like On a solo show. You know, that's on a solo show at a, like an intimate venue. When it's like quiet, you feel like maybe I am doing something right here. 
um, with a band show, you don't want quiet, you know? Because <laughs> it's a little more uh, up-tempo, I yeah, guess. Yeah, I guess. You know, people move around more. There's drums playing and stuff. Um, but I think that the times that someone has come up to me or wrote me saying, like, you said, like, exactly how I feel and, like, thanks for that song or something, that's, to me, that that's what it all comes down to. Like, right. if you could let someone else know you, they're not alone, that's, there is no higher success in music to me. Yeah, I mean, it's a depressing world, right? So, uh, and it's, you know, I, I'm not sure about the music business, but, you know, comedy's a depressing, uh, <laughs> you know, I don't think people realize whether it's you or me or other artists, you know, you're constantly rejected. You're constantly told that's not good enough. You're compared to other people. Yeah. You see people make it who probably shouldn't. And, uh, <laughs> you know, you, you see some talented friends of yours that should make it that, probably won't just for whatever reason so i think people uh can really connect if you're singing about stuff that's important to them and yeah i mean i sing about what i know or just what i feel my pain on observing something um but yeah pretty much you know if, if i'm singing it it's it comes from someplace real you know I don't, i'm just not going to sing about something that's i've never experienced See, I'll joke about stuff I've never experienced, but I'm a sellout, so. <laughs> you know, that's where you and I differ, Damien. Uh, oh, I've never done this before, but it uh, seems like the type of crowd that would enjoy this, <laughs> this joke. joke. So uh, let me make up something on the fly. Uh, do you do that sometimes, on the fly? Yeah, well, I'm uh, what you call an improvised comic. I I don't think I've ever hit the stage with a set list of... Cause I don't know how it is in music. I, I mean, I'm assuming in music you try and build a flow, you know. Yeah. Uh, you with know. A when I'm playing with a band as a set list, just because everyone's got to be on the same page. Right. When I'm playing solo, I have like, I call it an outline. Right. You know, and then you feel the room. <clears throat> you know, if you feel like, okay, this next song I think would fit this vibe I'm getting right now, and then you go with that one and play the other one later. Maybe you don't play it. Yeah, it I mean, I think for a comic, uh, you know, like that show, when I first met you uh, at the comedy store with Vicky, that was a music crowd. Yeah. You know, I had a loose idea. Okay, they're going to like the metal jokes. So start with those jokes and then kind of freestyle. See, you know, if they don't laugh at this joke, maybe switch. You can't really do that if you're in a band. No, like, I don't think people are really making up songs on the fly. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be a lousy musician and I'm, this isn't working we're gonna write this song right now let's go to this well I have so <laughs> many uh, jokes in my head that I can not necessarily have a set list and just uh, I'm a people reader Damien like I could really look at someone and go okay this person probably doesn't like the kind of music I do so maybe switch out the you know the Cinderella reference for a, uh, a Katy Perry reference. Right, you gotcha. Know, uh, so, but I guess in the music world, you can't, you know, you like a slow bill, like start out, like if it's um, with the band, do you start you out? You start out with like a, you know, like a rock kind of st song. You're not going to start off with a ballad at a band show, you know? Um, for me, like, again, it depends, but um, like on this particular show, like the ballads like in the middle. You know, and you end strong with a more rock song. Right. Well, I mean, I recently saw Weezer play, and I did like what they did. Uh, they started off with Buddy Holly. Okay. Like, Yeah, everybody knows it. Get but the I crowd just, going. That's their big hit. 
yeah. then you got the feeling that every song they played after was like, all right, you've heard what you want to hear, and now we're going to do what we want to play. And I kind of dug that. Uh, I also saw the band Europe play once, and they started off with the final countdown, which is their big hit. Yeah, I've, I've heard it. I just heard it in a, a show the other day. In a Geico yeah, commercial. commercial. yeah. <laughs> but then they ended the concert. They bookended their concert with the final The count. same song? I, I thought that that's it's different. Different? I don't think Vicky would approve of that. Uh... <laughs> We're going to play our hit four times tonight. Well, why not? Uh, maybe do just different ver- do a mariachi version, do a po- yeah, you know, reggae polka. version, acoustic version. Um so what what's next for you after the showcase uh thursday just finishing up the record yeah finishing up the record um playing some more shows i got a show in la the day after thanksgiving actually where is that at Uh, genghis cone legendary place on fairfax yep i've had the privilege of bombing there many times (laughs) that's like it's it's a small room but it's a cool room it's very intimate i like it uh you know what like smaller crowds i almost enjoy more than i mean obviously you love the big crowds you get the adrenaline but uh, i like looking in people's eyes yeah seeing how your jokes or in your case music is affecting them uh is it the same for you like do you i mean everyone likes a big crowd yeah i mean it really depends i mean i don't know i would assume it's the same comedy sometimes you really can't see anything but silhouettes with the comedy store, the lighting is so bright that I don't see, and with my vision especially, uh, I don't see anything beyond the first row, really. That's what it, normally that's what I see. I see some face in the first row, and then sometimes I'll say, I think I knew who that is, right? but I'm not sure. Um, but yeah, I, I always try to look at the crowd and you know, make contact and just really connect. You know, I would never just play a show with my head down. I couldn't. Well, I've done a few shows like that, but uh, that's when I put it together pretty fast. Okay, I don't have this crowd, so let's just... Paul Stanley said when they used to play in front of three people uh, that he used to pick a spot in the back of the wall and just, just stare, stare at, at it, it and pretend he was at Madison Square Garden and he would just look and not look around. I've done that a few times. I remember being at a show and someone I knew was performing and they did that, right? It was a small venue and they were looking right there, like Madison Square Garden. The problem was the audience was on the left and right. Right. <laughs> there was the bar. <laughs> so they're like belting out to the bartender. It was kind of different. I'm like, uh, you don't always do that. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, sometimes at the comedy store when the crowd is light, uh, you know, and it's ironically, the crowd usually at the time I get up sometimes, there is nothing in the middle. Like they're at the left and they're at the right and you just... So he'd look kind of weird if he was staring at the middle. Although it could be funny in that setting. Well, I've often wanted to do a comedy special where it's just like that. It's packed on the left, packed on the right, but the camera doesn't pick any of that up. They just It's a blank row of chairs to you. It's uh, a good idea. Eh, you know, I don't think Vicky would like that idea for comedy either, but uh, I like, uh, I want to be different. Yeah. And it's hard to be different. Like Not you, for you. Well... <laughs> <laughs> I don't think. Well, that's you know, joke stealing is rampant in the comedy world. I yeah, I, I've heard. I mean, I, I don't, I don't know any of that personally, but I've heard about that. Like that's a thing. I see it every night, like literally every night. It's like, uh, oh, that was that was her joke. And then you just switch up the words, you, you know, and that's 
a lot of people will ask me, why do you make jokes about bands that, you know, really they had a pretty short shelf life? I figure if I walk into the comedy store tonight and someone's doing a rat joke. Yeah, like, you know where everyone knows. Earl's joke. You'll get a text. Hey, uh, someone just did a joke about Firehouse. Yeah. Uh, you need to get down here. Uh, Earl, someone's <laughs> singing the chorus to Don't Treat Me Bad right now. Isn't that your bit? <laughs> uh, there, I mean, that doesn't happen in the music world. I mean, because people riffs. Rip off, people riff off songs. But I would All imagine, uh, you know, in the comedy world, they call it parallel thinking. Uh, right. You know, I mean, like tomorrow night, the election, or the midterm elections are going on. I'm sure every comic in L.A. I'm and sure. is going to do in a Trump joke or a, you know, a fraud, election fraud. Or, right. Uh, yeah. It's not. Hot topic. Yeah. It, it's like it, with a guitar or, a, you know, is it... Uh, do you see that a lot in your in your uh, world? Man, I can't say I see it in the way you see it as far as like people you share the stage with. Stage with. Um, it's not like I played with bands where all of a sudden I go, wait, that's my song. Um, but it is a thing in the music business in general. Um, I mean, I, I hear it sometimes when I'm writing. I'll be like, what is that? Did I write that? And then I'll go... No, I didn't write that, and I'll, I'll scrap the idea. Um, but you hear on songs on the radio. I mean, it's, uh, was it Sam Smith? Um, you know, his Stay With Me song was Won't Buy Back Down by Tom Petty. And really? they ended up having to give Tom Petty a writing credit on it. Good for Tom. I'm, I remember telling that to a friend of mine the second that song came out, and she said, you just ruined that song for me. I said, well, it's true. Sing along. It's the same exact chorus, melody-wise. But is it hard, like... I mean, Kiss has done that numerous times. Uh, there was a, a very obscure metal band called Black and Blue that had a song with a very um, noticeable guitar riff up front. And then uh, 92, Kiss had a song called Domino. And it was like, as soon as I heard it, I was like, wait a minute, that's a Black and Blue song. Like, Yeah, you'll hear. I mean, it definitely happens in music. I mean, there's lawsuits all the time for that kind of stuff. Yeah, I mean, I know Alice Cooper sued Kiss for I'm 18. They did a song that was very, very similar to that. Yeah, but I just never seen it on a local level like like you would in, in the comedy store where it's like, hey, my friend actually stole my joke or, you know, the guy I, I performed with the other day. You know, I've never had that experience where it's like, I know this other band, whether I'm friends with them or not, and it's like, oh, that, that's my song. You know, I've never encountered that. I have no friends, Daniel. <laughs> no a, friends in comedy. I'm a rogue operator. Um, but, well, you know, it, it's unfortunate it happens. And, but like, it, like if you're listening to the radio, when you get up in the morning and the, the riff pops into your head, like, isn't it hard to go try and write a song with like that in your head? Like, well, I've never actually sat down in my life and said, I'm going to write a song now. So if I had a riff blaring in my head from another band, I probably wouldn't be thinking about writing a song. Right. Um, but the one thing that would get that out of your head, or at least for me, you know, if I started playing guitar or piano and something different, now I have a new thing in my head. Like, you know, I wouldn't have that other riff in my head still. And how hard do you try and not sound like anyone else? Like, because like I said, in comedy, there's only so many ways to skin a cat in, in terms of trying to be different because we all joke. About, right. We all had fucked up parents or whatever, but uh, for the most part. Uh, but as a musician, 
you know, there's only so many ways to sound different on a guitar or, or, or singing. I mean, I think no matter what comes out, you'll hear some influence from somewhere. You know, it's, it's not like somebody just arrived on earth, never heard any music and came up with a style. You know, everything starts with something else. Um, you know, your influences or things you've heard, maybe even not even consciously, you just, you know, you have sounds you like and, and then all of a sudden these, you take pieces like, okay, you're not even consciously just, that's probably, you listen back, oh, that influence is probably from there or there and there. And then you put yourself into it and you hopefully come up with something different. Can you go to concerts and not, like, I can't go to comedy shows because I'll criticize every single joke. Like, can you go to, like, I don't know, say Vicky calls you up and says, hey, I got an extra ticket to Journey and Def Leppard, which probably wouldn't happen. But uh, can you watch a concert and not be critical of every moving part at the show? Yeah. Me, yeah. my biggest problem of watching a concert is I want to be on stage. That drives me insane. <laughs> I'm the same way. Like, that's the part that I, I've never been to a ton of concerts in my life. Like, because it bothers me. Like, it's like, I want to be up on that stage right now. And it takes some of the enjoyment out for me. Yeah, I'm the same way. I can't watch stand-up. <laughs> I want to do it. I don't know if that makes us selfish or good performers that we we want to get, <laughs> actually get up and do our craft. But I mean, when you see a good concert, you see a good concert. Um, Vicky and I saw the Arctic Monkeys recently at the Hollywood Bowl, and that was just awesome. And did you uh, like pick up and, oh, that'd be cool if I like incorporated that? Not what they were doing per se, but did you see stuff that they were doing and go, oh, maybe that could work for me in a different... I, I can't say I did at that show. Um, it was just like, wow, that's their show. And you know, you it was a show and it was, a, it was a great concert. And like, it didn't even enter my mind anything like that. I was just kind of like, wow, they put on a freaking awesome show and they're a good band. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. I wasn't like thinking, oh, I like that little element. I might do that. It didn't cross my mind. Cause in comedy, it's hard to, oh, that's, I like that show. Like, which may be where some of the stealing happens, but like, uh, you know, it's such a, uh, it's so hard to stand out in either of our worlds. Oh, for sure. You know, I just want to stand out enough where it's like, oh, he doesn't remind me of Jimmy Kimmel, who's awesome. But Right. Yeah. That, that's, that's something you don't want where someone sees a show and it's like, they can't tell the difference between you and like, I don't know, which, which stand-up committee you see again? Like, but I imagine with you, it'd be like, yeah. a, you want to sound like Damien Sage. You don't, Correct. Oh, he sounds like John Mayer. Yeah. You don't or, want that. For sure. Uh, yeah, you want to have your own voice, whether it's through jokes or through an actual singing voice. Well, luckily, my deep baritone voice, there's not too many people who can rip me off, but, uh, you know. Very recognizable. Well, yeah. But the bad news is when I'm bombing and someone's in another room, they're like, that sounds like Earl bombing. <laughs> no so, hiding it. That's not Joey, is it? Uh, so what's, like, the ultimate goal? Because, uh, you know, who knows what making it is in this world? Right. Uh, to some people, it's millions of dollars. Right. Cars, all that stuff. To some people, it's just putting out constant, uh, consistent product and letting the world go. Here's my music. You're either with me or you're not. I've been asked this question so many times, you know, <clears throat> and I always have the same answer. To me, it's to reach as many people as possible and let them know they're not alone. That's, right. that's the goal whether that's, you know, 5,000 people or 5 million people, whatever it is. Well, Vicky's probably going to hope it's 5 million. 
5,000 people. What the hell are you talking about? Yeah, uh, the, I mean, to me, that's the ultimate goal with music. Just oh, to, I mean. Because that's what music did for me. When I was a kid, you know, I was homeless as a kid, and um, I was angry as a teenager. And certain songs and certain bands, I said, I'm not alone. And it like, that, I have to say, that was the driving force that got me through all those times, music. Oh, I don't think God. I would have got through that without it. I mean, music is, uh, it can make you happy, make you sad. Yeah. My problem is whenever I went through a breakup, I would pick the saddest songs to listen to. Like, it would make me sadder, but it would make me feel better at the, at the same time. It was weird. <clears throat> oh, yeah. I mean, when, I, when I've been down, you know, through my life, I'll put on sad songs. But it's weird that you would think you would want to put on, like, say, you know. Yeah, but you, you, your mind won't handle it. Like, it's like your mind wants to feel the way it wants in that moment, you know. It's not, a happy song is not going to flick a switch if you're down. Yeah, I mean, I get, ha I figure if I'm sad about a breakup or whatever, if I listen to, let's just say Cinderella's Don't Know What You Got Till It's Gone. Oh, what a sad song. <laughs> I mean, that. Or there's a singer-songwriter who not a lot of people know of. Uh, his name is Martin Briley. Yeah. He he wrote a break. It's the best breakup song, and it's not a metal song. It's like very much in the vein of your style singer-songwriter. Uh, it's called "Salt in My Tears," and it, it's you know. It, Are you gonna cry? <laughs> you know. <laughs> I'm going to cry when I realize that I'm probably going to bomb at the showcase on Thursday and I'm going to see Vicky going, I told you no take it in the ass jokes at this fucking thing. <laughs> yeah, uh, you'll be fine. But you would think after a breakup or like, you know, a, pa a parent dying. Uh, I mean, if there's someone that can go through a breakup and put on a happy song and all of a sudden they're better, they're a better tried. person than I. <clears throat> I mean, after the last one I put on Welcome to the Jungle, it didn't really help me much. Because yeah. Axel's anger made me more angry and bitter. And then I'm like, I got to go back to Martin Briley. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't know. I feel like music's a great thing in that regard. Like there's a song for whatever you're feeling. You yeah. Know? So I think you got to go with what your feelings are at that moment and listen accordingly. Because it really can take you, you know, I've in 20 years of comedy, I, I think I've told Vicky this, I've probably known 10 people who've killed themselves and, I know several. Uh, yeah, I mean, I would think, you know, music, comedy, maybe pro wrestling. Pro uh, wrestling. Just because of what they have to do to their bodies. And yeah. It's, it's a constant. In their case, you have to look a certain way. And if you get a little fat, they'll just bring in a new kid. Who, oh, yeah. For sure. High pressure. Yeah. So uh, that's why, I mean, they most of those guys die before they're 50. Yeah, it's uh, wild. Um, but, you know, music you know, can really save your life. And for sure. I do think like it's important for artists like you to be out there and, you know, I mean, I can't say I've ever thought of killing myself, but I've definitely been like, fuck man, how can I get better? Like, this is not. I mean, I, I've contemplated it before, you know, and I think music has got me through it each time. I mean, I'm just too scared. Nobody would miss me. I'm being very like <laughs> that's the biggest fear. Yeah, to be honest with you, I don't know if I'd miss you. Earl. I'm, I gotta so be there. Honest. You go. <laughs> like I would have quit comedy ten years ago if people were going, oh man, Earl quit. We love that guy. He's great. But you know, in comedy, and I'm sure it's similar in music. It's like 
Earl, quick comedy? That's just one more person I don't have to leapfrog <laughs> over. Great guy, but fuck him. Yeah. Um, so what's like, what's the big picture for you before we wrap up? Um, just kind of focusing on what I need to right now between writing, recording, the label, the the launch performance. And it's kind of being in the moment and then get through this show, which is I'm so excited about. It's going to be now. Do you know if it's sold out or not? Or can uh, I hate to do this to you, but it, it is. Well, I have to. I mean, this is like, is the show sold out? It is. All right. Well, then you don't have to worry about buying tickets. But that's great. I'm like way over capacity <laughs> at the moment. Um, it's a great show. Who who else is on the lineup, Vicky? I know you're not supposed to be here, but I'm channeling the ghost of Vicky Hamilton right now. Tender Beats are coming in from Brooklyn, and they're opening the show. Then Damien's playing. And then Elvis Sweetza, who is the front man from Three Bad Jacks, is doing a completely new project, which is sort of a crooner thing with cello and violin and a guy playing congos. It's like pretty insane. It sounds good. It's really good. And the, what is the goal for this uh, launch? Just to raise awareness of what you're trying to do with these bands. I mean, it's, it's a great stable already. Yeah. Um, the awareness and. Uh, Hopefully we'll get some backing as well. Well, that's when I do the 10 minutes to get the, uh, you know, I was born Jewish in Bel Air, so I know how to work the dollar. Okay, good. So. Um, work it hard. You know, I'll uh, expect a commission on uh, Damien's first uh, platinum uh, sales. <laughs> uh, Damien, where can people, first of all, thank you very much for doing this. Thank you this. for having me, my friend. No, it's, it's an honor to see neat people like you, nice people like you, like, forging a name i mean it's i respect anyone who's in any business uh in the entertainment field is is i don't think people appreciate how fucking tough it is and with a mind like vicky behind you i see great things thank you sir coming up for you where can people find you on all the usual sites twitter the and usual sites um instagram twitter damien sage music d-a-m-i-a-n-s-a-g-e music um, Facebook, just Damien Sage, uh, website, DamienSage.com. And music on iTunes and all that good stuff. There's one single on iTunes right now. If you search for Damien Sage, then the rest of the album will have, well, when that, when that's out, it'll be more there. And that single guys is, I'm assuming 99 cents. I believe D that is the going rate. 99 cents. That's 99 cents. It's less than a dollar. It's literally... It's a dollar store, but in an even better value because it's a quality song. What's the name of the song? Memories. I'm begging you guys. Please, you're not going to leave a review for this podcast on iTunes. Fine. Hit. I mean, really, you people are unbelievable. Some of you complaining. <laughs> you oh, you guys are going to be the end of me. Please buy Damien's song on iTunes. It's ninety nine cents, and after you buy that. I want you to go on www.vickyhamilton.com and buy her amazing book, Appetite for Dysfunction. Great book. If you mention my name, she might even autograph it for you. Don't leave a review for this podcast. Buy the goddamn book. Please. You people are killing me. Support Damien Sage. Support Vicky Hamilton. I can't say I'll see you there Thursday night because it's sold out. You snooze. 
you lost. Inappropriate Earl SoundCloud and iTunes become fans of Damien Sage. You're going to say, oh, this guy's on TV. I remember when he did that Losers Pod. Oh, that's Earl's podcast. <laughs> 